episode of Awaken Parenting. I'm your host, Jill McPherson, parenting consultant, mother of four, and teacher, here to answer your parenting questions. On today's show, we are talking about parenting through difficult times. We have been living through a pandemic now for over a year, and this, no doubt, has been a very challenging time for parents of children of all ages. Many parents are struggling with supporting their children's schooling while they're still working from home at the same time. There are health concerns, not just physically, but perhaps mentally and emotionally just as much. Supporting children and teens through limited social interactions with their friends. And of course, there's the fear of the constant judgment by others as parents are forced to make decisions for their children that others may or may not agree with in order to simply survive lockdown rules and regulations. If you can relate to any of these struggles, then you'll wanna listen to today's episode of Awaken Parenting. Today's episode, I have a guest with me, Catherine Karpenko, who's a registered psychotherapist and who's been supporting individuals, couples, parents, and families navigating through their challenges for over 20 years. I welcome uh, Catherine here with me today. Catherine, so glad that you're here. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Jill. Before we get into our discussion about parenting through difficult times, I just want to share uh, with my listeners how I came to know uh, Catherine. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the year, but I know it was in the 80s. I'm guessing maybe around 1985. I had the pleasure of being asked by Catherine to uh, babysit her uh, two young children at the time. Uh, She has three, but at the time there was two little ones. And Catherine had a profound impact on my life and still does, but that particular time in my life I was a teenager doing a lot of community babysitting meeting Catherine introduced for me uh, another way of parenting up until Catherine I had always sort of thought that you know adults trumped children and children just had to do what adults said and there wasn't really any sort of negotiation or any consideration of children's thoughts or feelings about a situation And, and then when I went to babysit with Catherine I heard a dialogue with her and her children that um, just shocked me. And at first I misinterpreted it as um, kind of like her children had control over her or something because it was, it sounded so foreign to me. But then I started to realize that this was about parenting with respect. And I quickly got curious and started to uh, ask Catherine questions. And she's been a little bit of a mother mentor for me uh, ever since, well, especially once I became a mom then in 1999. So I asked Catherine to join me today to discuss ways of surviving parenting in difficult times. And before we just begin that chat, I want to give a little bit of background on the support I offer. And again, a lot of this originated from my, the influence of meeting Catherine. I do my best to avoid actually giving advice or telling anyone what to do in a situation, whether it's situation A or B. I see my role as offering parents information and skills to empower them in ways to not only handle difficult situations more effectively, but to offer them skills to prevent many of their stresses. So it is inevitable that challenging times will happen while we're raising our children, pandemic or no pandemic. And since there are many ways, many things we cannot control like a pandemic, uh, the focus for me is assisting parents with what they can control and mainly being their thoughts, their perceptions and beliefs about the situation. Catherine, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I concur, but I also think that it's important for us to have a bigger picture. 
Okay. When we're in a difficult time, often we're frightened or angry or alarmed and things become very small. I think what we can mm. control is very small, but our perspective needs to be much larger. And that's where we can often get places of strength that we didn't realize that we even had. Resilience lies in the bigger picture. Right, I love that. Resilience lies in the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so an example of that would be knowing that life is not fair, bad things are going to happen because it's part of the life experience and that these things have happened to the people who have gone before you, to your parents, to your grandparents, to your great-grandparents, to your great-great-grandparents. In some way, they had to overcome some huge challenge in their life and they did, otherwise you wouldn't exist. Right. So, so from that, you know, something in me, some genetic mapping is in me that has from before that someone I am related to has navigated through an equally difficult or even more difficult time than this. Right. Can I just tell a story about a Canadian Olympian? A number of Love years it. ago, she uh, got onto the Olympic team. I can't remember whether, I, whether she was a skier or what she was. And she said to her mom, I don't think I can do this. And her mom said, why? And she said, because nobody in my family's ever done this. Her mom said, well, actually, your grandfather made it into the Olympics, but they were canceled because of the Second World War. So there was, he couldn't he couldn't do his he couldn't participate. And she said, really, somebody in my family has been an Olympian. And her mom said, yes. And she said that I can do this. And she went on to get a gold medal or a silver medal. So so knowing that there's actually someone that you are related to that has met a humongous challenge and gotten to the other side of it is really important for us all to remember, mm. even if we don't know the details of it. Yeah, that's that's helpful. And that's the that's a suggestion of or um, a strategy of what you're talking about when you say broadening your perspective, like seeing the bigger picture. That's part of the bigger picture. The other part of the bigger picture, there's two other elements. One is this will not, whatever the difficult time is, it will not last forever because change is constant. Right. So it's going to change. It's just we don't know necessarily when or how. Right. But it will change. Sometimes we get caught up in how unfair the situation is or we're angry and looping in a story about it because we think it will be forever and that we can't stand mm. it. But when we realize, okay, it's not going to be forever. It's, it's right now and it's difficult, but it won't be forever. Right. And I think the other thing that occurs to me is we need to have someone who we are inspired by. And it's not because they're perfect, but it's because they draw out of us our own strengths. And so we hold them and say, oh yeah, well, that person went through this difficult time and look how, you know, then they managed to get through it. Um, uh -huh. Just as human beings, I think that that's important to have those kinds of connections that are outside of ourselves. Right, like a, like a role model um, yeah. that like can inspire us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's great. So you mentioned broadening our perspective through um, our, our own histories, mm -hmm. uh, looking for a role model who inspires us that has that we can see has gone through or is going through a challenging time and coping fairly well. And was there was there another thing? Sorry. So yes, there were yeah. three. One was the hysteronics. One right. was 
things always change. It won't always be like this. That's it. And the other yeah. is this, here's a person not necessarily is going through the same thing at the same time as you, or maybe, but someone you know, and it can be a famous person. You think, oh yeah, she got through a divorce and she managed to do this okay. Or, or he, you know, had a terrible accident and lost his legs. And now he's, you know, this doing something extraordinary. So that can inspire us having, holding those inspirations in our vision Right. Not how we have been victimized by our circumstances. Right. It's a choice to be a victim. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. So if we could just apply then or kind of discuss a little bit about the question or the comments that parents have left for me. Um, I have a Facebook group, Awakened Parenting Group. And when I pose the question out there about what's challenging right now, I'm just going to list off a few of these and then um, see how we can, uh, what we can offer to help support them through this. The whole trying to uh, parent and teach at the same time, that's teachers for sure. The working from home, again, I'm parenting, trying to keep their children's emotional health intact, reinventing fun activities to do at home, having to say, no, you can't do that, particularly with um, children asking requests for play dates with friends. Um, not seeing family. And that came from some parents who have adult children and grandchildren that they're not able to see. Uh, no sports or rec for kids, feelings of loneliness, contradiction in family values within the home. So between two parents and division and polarity around more of the, what I would say, global issues, like seeing the divisiveness through uh, opinions on the vaccine and, and that kind of uh, and how we handle lockdown and those kind of issues that we're all um, sort of collectively involved in. So what, what are your thoughts on any of that, Catherine? On all of those things? <laughs> no, what jumps out for you? I should say, yeah, we, not that we can cover it all, but what sort of jumps out for you? Yeah, so um, all of those things are kind of about the practical. How do we deal with the practical of the day-to-day -day life and as you have already said in your introduction, when things go askew in our life, it's really, and we feel shocked or distressed, it's important to make things as small as we possibly can, because then we can actually have some semblance of feeling like we have control. When things feel really, really out of control, then it's important to make things very small as small as we possibly can, so that we actually feel like we have agency, like we feel like we're still in charge. One of the things that I've suggested to families is that they come up with a very clear schedule about what the, in the day is going to look like, every hour of the day, and who's doing what at every hour of the day. And it seems kind of rigid, but within the context of it, there's a tremendous amount of freedom. First of all, people know what's happening. What's happening at eight o'clock? Oh, we're having breakfast at eight o'clock. What's happening at 8.30? Well, we're gonna do X, Y, and Z, or you've got school or, but, but then it's knowable as opposed to it's unknowable. And I think you also mm -hmm. make choices of what am I gonna let into this, into this sanctuary, into the safety zone that I'm creating with my family? Are we gonna have the radio going, telling us how many deaths there were that day? Are we gonna be online checking to see what the status of COVID is in whatever part of the world? you get to decide, I want to make this a safe zone for my family, mentally, emotionally, physically. 
And that means by making choices about what you let in and what you don't let in. I think it also is helpful, two things in terms of children. One is that we hear what the children say that they need and we actually listen to it. I hate doing school online or I miss my friends or whatever it is that, and then we ask, well, how can we do, what can I do for you? Or how can you fix this problem? What is the solution to this problem that you have that you miss your friends so much? And then right. it depends on the age of the children, but even pretty young kids have some pretty good ideas about what they want to have happen. I want to go and play with my friends outside. That would be great, but we can't do that right now. What can we do instead? Can we have a Zoom party for your friends? Can we um, do something fun here and send them pictures? So one of the families that I work with have two very young boys and both parents are working remotely. And they were all suffering from sort of this depression, brain, you know, sort of fog. And I said, what would happen if your kids came downstairs one morning and the kitchen was filled with balloons? What would happen if they went to pee in the toilet and the water was purple? What would happen? And so just changing things in your own house that are very simple actually activates your neurology quite differently. And suddenly what is sort of boring and the same old and very predictable now is unpredictable in a fun way as opposed to a dangerous way. Hmm. Because we're hearing a lot about danger and fear and how we, all this other stuff. But how about if there's things that are kind of exciting and kind of surprising in the context of our own safe zones that parents do that's completely different than what they would normally do. I think right. you, you mentioned something uh, earlier in our conversation and that is that how we are is how our children will learn how to handle things. So when things go very bad for us, the long range picture of how do I want to remember myself during this time? Was I a woman or a man that stepped up to the plate and was a shining example of how I wanted to be in a difficult time? How I want to see myself. Can I say I'm really proud about how I handled that situation? And it doesn't matter what you're suffering. You can be suffering from depression. You can be suffering from all kinds of things, but it's how did you manage it that you actually are proud of how you're managing it? And I think that this is really important. The measure of a man and a woman isn't how well they did when things were going smooth. It's how well they did when things were going really difficult. We actually know that in difficult times, we have the opportunity to have what we call post-traumatic growth. We can grow more during difficult times than easy times. Exponentially, we have the opportunity to do things we would never considered because we've been put into this pressure cooker situation. And people say it all Absolutely. the time, you know, they, they save a life and would you have done? Well, if I'd thought about it, no, but I just did it, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I always say, you know, it, growth is 
we, we grow in the challenging times. It's when everything's going easy peasy and great. There's not much, you know, sort of personal growth or opportunity for growth anyway in those times. It's during the challenging times. You know, they, the uh, little um, saying I've often heard is all sunshine and no rain is a desert and not a lot grows in a desert. So it's sort of like that. Okay, yeah, there might be some downpouring times here and there's an opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. So absolutely agree. And that leads perfectly into some, you know, ideas that I want to speak to as well. I like the way you said about, you know, when you fast forward, you know, your future self looking back, you know, will you say, you know, wow, I, I handled that well, or it was definitely challenging. And, and what did I do to, to not only handle it well for myself, but for my family, for my, for my children and how you said that, yes, our children will pick up how we handle it is how then they will uh, the skills that and mindset that they'll have in handling a challenging situation like the pandemic. Um, so I think if anything, there's been a huge opportunity to uh, discover some self-care practices. Uh, that's kind of for me personally, where it all started is just simple daily self-care practices could be different for everybody. But for me, it's a morning yoga routine and a meditation. And I almost can hear some parents, particularly ones of little ones, of saying like, well, I, you know, I don't have time for that. Or how would I have time for that? The kids would interrupt me. And I don't know about you, Catherine, but when mine were little, it was part of teaching them about mommy's self-care practices. So when mommy's on her yoga mat, you come into the room and you see mommy do that. You can join me or you can wait, or you can leave and come back or, and we would actually even do like sort of little dress rehearsals. Okay, so pretend mommy's doing my little routine, my yoga routine. What are you going to do and how will you handle this? And so that we would actually play, pretend so that when it was morning time and I was doing it, they would already know. And it took a lot of discipline for me to also follow through. So for instance, you know, the mom, mom, and I would just continue doing what I was doing, you know, not letting on, I heard them. And then, and then it was either, yeah, they, so sometimes that little toddlers with stinky diapers would get down beside me and, and do a downward dog with me. Um, and sometimes they would just waddle away and <laughs> come back later or wait till mom came out of my bedroom, or whatever. It really is about not only disciplining yourself, but then disciplining your children around having this sort of routine. I concur with that. And when I last, Last year, when I was COVID stranded with my family, my daughter, uh, son-in-law, and a three and a five-year-old, we would get up every morning, and at 7.30, we would do 15 minutes of yoga, because that was about all those kids could manage, and they either participated or they didn't participate, and after about three weeks, they started participating, and, but it was about being disciplined enough not to be sidetracked. And it was only 15 minutes. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't your usual practice of 45 or half an hour or whatever. It was smaller, but it doesn't matter because it is really about, you're right, teaching them that this is important and this is a ritual that we're going to do in our family, just like we sit down and we have dinner, just like we go to the bathroom in the wash, in the, in the, in the toilet. We don't do it someplace else. These are just things that we, practices that we, we learn how to do. And I, and I think to children, are so adaptable. I mean, we tell kids that a 350 pound man is gonna come down a chimney and leave them presents and fly around the world and they all believe it (laughs) until they're about four or five or six, but they believe it. 
And so what we tell them, they will believe. If we tell them this is a disaster and things are terrible and I can't handle it, they will believe it and they will become distressed. If we say, we're gonna get through this, you're going to be okay. I'm doing my very best, that they'll believe that. So it's really important how we speak about this and what we let children hear about this. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. That, that is so powerful. And, and so that's, you know, so essential for, for the self-care routine, because if we're not able to stay grounded and, uh, and stay focused and sort of have that mind discipline, then what are we offering to our children? So it's about that starting with yourself, that self-care so that then, you know, filling your own cup up first so that you can then uh, offer that to your children, that whole, you know, airplane analogy of make sure you're putting your mask on first, because you're no good to your children pass out on the floor and and what and really that noticing what you're saying out loud to your children that's what I'm hearing you say and I totally agree um, it's so important whatever you're however you're interpreting the reality and reporting to them that's what they will take on so if you want to take care of their mental health make sure you're taking care of yours uh, and what are you saying and how are you handling the situation um, that's so powerful. Yesterday, I had the, uh, the opportunity to ask an 11-year-old uh, little girl. I told her I was doing this podcast today. And I said, you know, what is it for you that's most difficult in your family in relationship to your parents going through this time? And here's what she said. She said, uh, it's important to me that my parents tell me what's going on. It's important to me that they tell me what's happening so that I'm not wondering what's going on. She said, it's because I can feel the tension in the house. I can feel my parents are upset, but they're not saying they're not, it's not out there. And so if they don't know what's happening, I want them to tell me that they don't know what's happening. And then I feel okay because they're okay with the fact that they're not sure what's happening for her. It was like, if their people aren't communicating what's happening and what they're experiencing, then it's just hangs in the air. And then she feels like there's nothing she can do about it. But if people are speaking about it and parents are informing their children, even if you don't know, I don't know when you're gonna be able to go back to school. I'm, I'm not sure. We're just gonna to have to see. In the meantime, we're together. Uh -huh. Here's what we know for sure. We still love each other. And it's really hard for everybody. You're not just the one having a world. It's all hard for each one of us. We need to help each other. Mm -hmm. So it's about pulling together and, and not hiding that it's difficult. That's, that's not real. That honesty. So honest and open communication, mm -hmm. uh, you know, offering them, answering their questions so that they're not worrying. Because we all know without without when they don't know they'll just fill in the gaps themselves with stories that are likely far more scary and painful than what you know what the reality is that's so, right yeah that's right yeah I found, found for me you know having that daily spiritual practice was like sort of the first step for me it was setting this sort of sacred time to take care of myself and to role model that to my children which fortunately now in their teen years and young adults are you know, implementing their own self-care routine, um, which is lovely to see. And so I think that was sort of the, the primary thing for me. What happened for me next, because I remember and a lot of people have said this too, like I got into yoga just to, to remain physically flexible. Um, and then there was a shift and, and I realized that there was also a need to continue to kind of go deeper within to examine my thinking and 
and deal with the monkey mind. I mean, I think everybody struggles to a certain degree of this. So they'll say, well, I can't, you know, meditate because my mind's too busy and, and there's too much chatter. Well, it's about getting in there and learning strategies to deal with that monkey mind and things you know, that's the constant chatter, chatter, chatter. I know, you know, there's different strategies that I have learned about how to question my mind, hearing something I say, like, this shouldn't be happening, or he should know better, or, you know, some sort of judgment I have about somebody or something in the situation. And just now really hearing that, and then being able to stop myself and just question, like, you know, is that true? Or, you know, noticing that, my judgment about the situation, my mental dialogue is far more painful than what's really happening. And that when I can take that deep breath and, and examine it and do some questioning to, you know, to free myself of it, then suddenly I can be quite peaceful and nothing externally changed. I just am like, wow, like notice that. And so building on that uh, mental, you know, discipline, mental, spiritual practice of, of questioning the mind has been very helpful for me over the years. I've, you know, freed myself from some really suffering moments, and which I can now do quite quickly. It used to obviously take quite a long time. I would have to be suffering for an extended period of time before I'd even be aware, you know, have that self-consciousness to kind of go, wait a second, um, I'm rambling again in my head, <laughs> what's going on here, uh, and to start kind of being a witness to my thinking instead of just being immersed in it. Uh, and then from there, uh, learning how to like, okay, some strategies to take those deep breaths and to go within and start questioning, getting a lot down on paper. And particularly, uh, I find when I can put my thoughts down on paper is really helps for me to, to release it more because when it's in my mind, it's sort of like storm clouds, you can't can't grab storm clouds but when you put it down on paper you can really uh, examine your thinking a little bit more and, and question it and start to free yourself of some really potentially painful uh, thoughts that you're you've got going around like a hamster wheel in your mind mm -hmm. I think that those are all good strategies certainly for myself I've noticed in this particular challenge is that I get tired of my own thinking Yes, <laughs> And it's like, I want to hear somebody else's voice. So I actually, you know, having really good friends where I can call somebody up, hear somebody's voice, say, this is what's happening with me. And they can say, oh, so let me just cut to the quick here. Here's what's happening. And they just give, help me give my own head a shake. There's a voice outside of me that's not looped into my own particular psychology or emotional drama or whatever it happens to be, but it's actually an outside voice. So honest friends who know you and love you and respect you and can just say a couple of words that pops that bubble, that cycle that we get locked into our own minds, can be for me has been so liberating. And I, I would have to say that during this particular time uh, within my circle of friends, people are being a lot more candid. You know, you don't have a lot of time to chat for a couple of hours about how you're feeling. It's more like, okay, I need, this is what's happening right now. Can, can, you, can you give me like five minutes of your time and like help get me get my head straight around this thing? And people are pretty understandable. COVID's been about the best excuse we've ever had to put our own needs forward and ask straightforward what it is that we need or say, I can't do that. Um, people are pretty much more accommodating than they would have been before COVID happened, where they, you had to give a lot of reasons, you made up stories about why you didn't want to do something. You know? Right. <laughs> yes. So perfect. And I think too, my little, you know, 
sort of rule for myself is when I'm struggling and I reach out to that person, I particularly have created sort of a support network of, of friends that I call that I know will not uh, contribute to my victimness. You know, so there's those people that you, you tell your struggles to and they'll go, oh, I know it's terrible. And, and they, you know, they sort of almost add to the pile of, of misery. Like you think that's bad. And then, you know, and then, you know, they kind of get on their complaining rant and then you're both kind of stuck in the mud and, and sinking yeah. together. Um, yeah. I think it's really important that we become very conscious over who we reach out to support. And you need that person who will help you snap of it. Um, and who knows, you know, similar strategies and, and, and can offer something where you're like, yeah, because the purpose is to get out of the muck, to get out of the hamster wheel mentality. And so it's really important that we become conscious over who that person is that we reach out to. And you, you said it, like, you can just kind of be really blunt, like I'm struggling in five minutes or less. What can you say to boot me out of this? Like, <laughs> well, and I think too, that's, that's good parenting. We're asking I'm having trouble parenting myself. Can you give me a hand yes. here? Oh, I think you need a good kick in the behind. That's what's yeah. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. Thanks very much. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had, I had a wise woman uh, say to me recently, there was somebody kind of going on and on complaining and about their, their feelings and their hurt feelings, blah, blah, blah. And she said, all these hurt feelings are getting in the way of getting something done. Like she was just like enough, like, yes, it's hard. It's tough. Let's move on. We got a job to do. And, and uh, it's, it was sort of like that tough love approach. And I think everyone saw we do need that. Yes. There's times where we need that listening ear and listen to me you know, talk and, you know, for an hour or something, you know, go on and on as a sort of a cleansing detox. And then there's sometimes there's just that approach of a swift, like, okay, you know, pull yourself together. I had a recent one where my daughter had the privilege of being on a Zoom, one of her Zoom classes, um, her teacher uh, had a guest speaker of a, a Holocaust survivor. And um, so I had the privilege then of listening in because she's at home on the Zoom call or Google Meet call. And uh, he ended off the talk with saying to everybody, you know, these young teenagers, like, I know it's tough being at home all the time and you feel like you're stuck and you can't go anywhere, but it could be worse. <laughs> you know, <laughs> After him explaining his time, you know, being in the uh, a Holocaust survivor, it's like, yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> and well, so and this is what I was talking about, having the bigger perspective, you yes. know, having, ha having, having this larger perspective of what has humanity endured? What have people that I may be related to have endured? My mom has brought that uh, to me a few times, uh, the whole remembering, you know, the, the, our history of, you know, people who survived the flu and, you know, in the early 1900s and, uh, and how they got through that. And so it does help to bring that perspective when, when you're talking about the, the history. Mm -hmm. um, last thing I just also want to share with is bringing more compassion, you know, to not only ourselves and our family, but then extending that outward. So now kind of going beyond our household, I'm seeing and hearing a lot of um, division around more of the the global topics right now that being you know vaccination and obviously I don't want to get into any opinion about it what I want is to offer parents some of those practical mindset strategies to to extend sort of compassion to other people I think what I've often um, found is one of my practices that I've used that has helped me immensely with letting go of any sort of stress and that is letting go of an agenda for other people 
I, I remember particularly in my 20s, I was quite, a lot of my stress and anxiety came from when I knew somebody was choosing things different than me, it stressed me out. So say for a perfect example, it comes to mind for me was, you know, I was breastfeeding and if I found somebody who wasn't, that would stress me out. I would need to try to figure out what I could do to help them to, to breastfeed because I just wanted to get them on board on the, you know, the right path, according to the, you know, the book of Jill. And so um, that created a little less stress only for me, but obviously for the people who was receiving my often unsolicited advice. And so I think now, what can we offer those people who can get quite stressed out about people making different choices than themselves? And the first thing, like I said, that came because it come up for me is that letting go of the need for other people to have the same choices as you, just have the same beliefs as you, perspectives, and make sure that you're taking care of yourself and your, and your family and letting go of that agenda of needing to change or quote unquote fix anybody's thinking or behavior um, outside of your own. How does that sit with you, Catherine? What comes up for you? Well, certainly uh, being in other people's business always ends up in problems. We've got enough. enough, There's Byron Katie has a wonderful saying, there's three kinds of business in the world. The divine's business, we call it God, Allah, whatever. And that's tsunamis, the weather, you know, pandemics, your neighbor's business, other people's business, or your own business. And if you're busy worrying about the divine's business, why did this happen? It's not fair. Or your neighbor's business or your partner's business, then you're not taking, nobody's taking care of your own business. You are in charge of your own business. Right. Um, And with that, the problem with the pandemic is people, for instance, will decide that they don't want to have the same, let's say, COVID practices that you have. They have different practices. You say, well, that means I'm not comfortable with what you're doing. That means I'm not necessarily going to visit with you or I'm not going to let my children play with your kids because you guys are running your ship a little bit different than how. Yeah, that's fine. That's what it means. It means that you're going to make different choices. And it's not a judgment that they've made a a different choice than you have. It's just that for this period of time, which will end, you're making a different choice. And I had similar experience to you. I breastfed and home home birthed my children and people said, well, I, you know, I, I, I had to go to the hospital, but I would have had, and I said, you don't have to explain anything to me. Going to the hospital is great. I did what worked for me. You do what works for you. And we can live, you know, side by each with different beliefs and different choices It just means I might make choices about how I'm spending my time or who I'm exposed to during a particular phenomenon like a pandemic. Don't have to stop being your friend. I'm just not going to be sitting at your dinner table if I'm masked and not vaccinated or you are or whatever the case may be. Right. Not taking it personally is what I'm hearing. So it's not about judging right or wrong, good or bad. It's this is the choices I've made. I understand these are the choices you've made. And and just set you know your standards accordingly and not be you know having thinking that they're wrong and you know to frustrated with them and they need to change it or they think because don't assume that because they're making different choices they're thinking something about you all of that stuff it's really about let that mental discipline again of letting that go and sticking to as you say I, I'm a great uh, fan of Byron Katie as well you know sticking to your business what's your business that's right Absolutely. And, you know, it went so far as at one point in my life, one of my sister-in-law said, I'm going to have to report you to the health unit because of the choices you're making with your children. And I said, 
you should do whatever feels right to you. You have to live with yourself. If you believe that's the best, you must do that. Feel free to go and do that. Now right. she never did it, but that I'm aware of anyways. But I think that that's the case. We each have to follow what is the best path for us and then take full responsibility for whatever those consequences are. And that's the second part of it is owning the choice that we made, whatever the outcome is. Exactly. Because, and, and being responsible for it as opposed to blaming. Right. Absolutely. I know even with the, with the vaccine thing, people have asked me about it and I just say, for me, it's about keeping the fear level down. And so that's primarily, you know, my, my focus. And I just say to people, if getting the vaccine is what brings your fear level down and brings you comfort, then great. If not getting it, brings your fear down and brings you comfort. Great. No, I have no agenda. And it's up to everyone individually to decide what is best for them. And I'll make my decision and, and vice versa. So uh, sticking to our business and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and releasing any sort of agenda for other people is so freeing. I can't, I'm at, I, I just, I'm so grateful for the mindset that I've come across over the years of working on this, you know, what it's like self-development um, and, and spiritual path is, is that surrender of, uh, of letting go has brought an enormous amount of peace for me, particularly in a time like a pandemic. Well, so. I think being non-judgmental with ourselves mm. and non-judgmental with others, it gives that space for compassion to come in. Yes. I'm imperfect and I'm doing my best. And Absolutely. I trust that everyone else is imperfect and doing their best as well. Absolutely. I always say we're all doing the best we can with what we've got and, um, and we're all doing the best we can. And just to give that love and compassion to ourselves and then extend it to others will just completely change the whole dynamics immensely. Catherine, I am so grateful for this conversation. As always, I, um, I love talking to you. We could go on for hours. You know, for, for the listeners who have taken my workshops, you know, I've talked about Catherine in my workshop, particularly around the theme of parenting with respect. I always have stories to, to share. Catherine is one of those people that I have reached out over the years with my parenting. And as we said earlier in this dialogue, having that person to reach out to, to, to help, uh, I highly recommend uh, everyone needs a, a Catherine <laughs> uh, in their life. And so if you don't already have one asking, you shall receive, seek that out and, and bring that into your life. Catherine, if anybody wants to uh, reach out to you for your services as a psychotherapist, how would they get a hold of you? Yeah, they could just email me. I'm listed online on a directory called Theravive on Terra, uh, Orangeville, the Orangeville listing, but they can reach me at my email address, which is Catherine at withgratitude.ca. Perfect. All right, Catherine, I will let you go. Thank you so much for joining me in this great discussion and who knows maybe we'll we'll be back for another podcast together it'd be lovely that'd be delightful thank you very much jill it's a pleasure great thanks and if you're looking for support in finding ways to bring more peace into your life as a parent during parenting during difficult times then be sure to reach out to me at jillmcpherson.com be sure to check out on my parenting workshops online. I have one called Small Hands, Big Challenges for parents and children approximately aged 4 to 10, and another called Staying Connected with Teens for parents of tweens and teens. Each of these are one evening a week and run for one month. 
June workshop, workshop sessions are open for registration. So be sure to go to my website, jillmcpherson.com to register. I also offer the Peaceful Parenting Program, and that's for parents who want more ongoing support in using the knowledge and skills that they learned in the workshop. If you haven't attended the workshop, you still can join in, uh, you'll get caught up, uh, but otherwise it's really a great opportunity for parents who want to continue to uh, use the skills that they learned in the workshop. I answer everyone's parenting questions uh, right on the spot and support them by guiding them to continue to use those skills day to day. I'm considering offering this program during a daytime slot, either a weekday or Saturday morning. And if that would interest you, please contact me. Uh, parents can also request to join my Facebook group, Awaken Parenting, so they can join other conscientious parents who are seeking ways to be the best parent they can be. In the meantime, do you have a parenting question or questions that you would like me to answer in my next podcast? Then please email me at jillmcpersonyes at gmail.com. Until then, this is Jill McPherson inviting you to join me in awakening to a more peaceful way to parent on Awakened Parenting.